Thank you, worship team. Our big kids are dismissed to their program this morning. Have an amazing time, guys. Amen, indeed. Well, as we open, let's, uh, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Let's dig right into God's word this morning. Isaiah chapter 61. We'll look at the passage that we're going to be uh, walking through as we walk through the Advent season together. Isaiah chapter 61, very famous passage that Jesus quotes as well in uh, describing his ministry to us. Isaiah chapter 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Amen. Jesus came to be born and to die and to be raised to new life, to be God and Messiah, but he also came to live, to be human, to be with us, to love us, to teach us, to show us what life, what we were always meant to be. Jesus was born not just to die, but to live. This Advent season, we're looking at the question of who the Messiah truly is and the things that God told us about Him, the prophecies and the promises that God made about Him, about who He would be, about what He would do where he would live, how he would live. We're exploring this year what it means that God is faithful, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that his mission and his ministry and his purpose and his plans are the same from the moment of creation until the fulfillment of all things at the end of time. God is one, and he does not change. So this fall, we looked at all the ways that God revealed himself to his people over the millennia, the ways that he led them to understand more and more of who and what he truly is. But every time, each time, those were just pieces, glimpses, incomplete pictures and moments and experiences and impressions. We had Abraham and Moses and David. They all had 
different experiences of who God is, different understandings. As God walked with his people and talked with them and performed miraculous signs and wonders revealing his power and his wisdom and his purposes, his love for them and his desire to save and restore all things to himself. But at every turn, it was incomplete. The covenant with Abraham, the law given to Moses, the kingdom established by David, the temple built by Solomon, pieces of who God is, of what he was doing. But not the whole picture, not enough. They were all steps along the path, but the destination was always ahead, always waiting. The, the one who was promised, who would fulfill all of these things and somehow change everything. Everything and everyone waiting for the Christ, the Messiah. The new and better Abraham, the true father of all nations forever. The new and better Moses, the true high priest and leader of all people for all time. The new and better David, the true king of kings for eternity. And so even as God was leading his people, speaking to them, walking with them, he was Always calling forward to this one. Giving them promises and prophecies of what the real thing would look like. Promising them that what they were experiencing wasn't it. These imperfect, inadequate things were not enough. That our need, our brokenness, our sin was greater than laws and tabernacles and sacrificing animals could ever fill. And he knew it. And he would fix it. Fulfill it. Make us whole again. The Messiah would come to show us everything he had ever meant. Everything to be. So that's what we're looking at this Christmas. At the prophecies of God about His Son, about the ways that Jesus fulfilled so completely everything that God intended and foretold. The power and faithfulness of God as He fulfills His promises. Last week we looked at the prophecies of His birth, the way that God traced the coming Messiah through the generations, calling out each branch, each person that God would use to bring his salvation. The detail he gave us about the place and circumstances of his birth, the virgin, Bethlehem, Galilee, Egypt, God prophesied it all. That we would see and know and be ready for his coming. And Jesus fulfilled every single piece. But God didn't just prepare us for his birth. The life and ministry of the Messiah was so incredibly important as well. And God spoke many prophecies to prepare his people for what the Messiah would do. 
Just look at how much detail God gives us about the life and ministry of Jesus, about the things that Jesus would do and teach, about the ways the people would respond to him and the incredible places that he would go. It's amazing. God saw it all. God prophesied that the Messiah would begin his ministry in Galilee. In Isaiah chapter 9, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And there in Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus was tempted in the desert and John the Baptist was killed, it says that Jesus withdrew to Galilee. And from that time on, he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. God planted Jesus right there in Galilee to begin his ministry. He prophesied that the Messiah would be humbled and would be a servant of mankind. In Psalm 8, God says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with honor and glory. And in Philippians, Paul tells us that Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus became human, lowering himself just for us, as God said. He washed his disciples' feet, the lowest of positions in the household, and he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? We don't. You call me teacher, And Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus was a servant, as God prophesied that he would be. God said that the Messiah would teach in parables. Psalm 78, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with parables. I will utter things, things from of old. And that's exactly how Jesus taught. Matthew 13, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. God also said that he would have a ministry of miracles and signs. Isaiah 35, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame will leap like the deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. And how many examples are the gospels filled with? Of that. Story after story of the blind, the lame, the deaf, the mute, the leper, even the dead raised to life just as God said he would do. And at the same time, God knew and told us that the Messiah would be misunderstood and dismissed. Rejected and hated. Isaiah chapter 6, they are ever seeing but never understanding. Ever hearing but never perceiving. The hearts of this people are calloused. Their ears are dull and their eyes are closed. And whole crowds would walk away from Jesus when he spoke to them the truth of the kingdom. 
the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hated him. His words fell on deaf ears even as he tried to speak life to them. To bring them back to the truth. But the Messiah would be a stone that causes men to stumble. He would be despised and rejected, Isaiah 8. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. And over and over, the chief priests and rabbis, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, rejected what he offered to them. What he meant to them. And the people turned on him when he invited them to believe. But it wasn't just for them that he came. He Came for everyone. His mission, his ministry was meant to bring life to all. God said that the Messiah would care for the widow and the orphan, for the prisoner and the outcast, that he would set people free. Again, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus did just that. Cared for the widow and the orphan, the outcasts and the unclean. Children and foreigners. We think of Zacchaeus and the centurion whose son died. Think of the woman caught in adultery and the lepers, the demon possessed and the poor. He was called a glutton and a drunkard and they hated him. For the time that he spent with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. And there's so much more. He was sinless and blameless as foretold in Exodus 12. His life destroyed the devil's work like God said in Genesis 3. He preached righteousness as was told in Psalm 40. He was a light to the Gentiles and brought all people together as in Isaiah 11. The people rejoiced as he came to Jerusalem. He brought an end to sin. He was the perfect sacrifice and he will rule on a throne that is everlasting. Everything, just as God told us hundreds and even thousands of years before. The life of Jesus fulfills every single prophecy that God gave us about who and what he would be and do. Even down to a detail like that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah chapter 11. That he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. That the people would rejoice and then condemn him. God told us everything and Jesus fulfilled every detail. Jesus is the Messiah. Born to save, born to live. His life matters every bit as much as his birth and death and resurrection. 
He lived and moved and worked and spoke to reveal to us the love of His Father. To show us and tell us who God is and what we were created to be. To be an example for us of how a human life had been meant to look. And it looks incredible. Command over nature. Connected so deeply to the Spirit, living and moving in the will and purpose of God. Expressing the love and the power of God, His very nature, through our lives. And still the people were not ready. They wanted an earthly king. A new David, not a heavenly Messiah. They wanted someone who would overthrow the Romans and restore the land of Israel to bring them wealth and comfort and prosperity. They didn't understand. They didn't, they didn't understand what they truly needed. What all of us need. And even though God laid out so many pieces of what the Messiah meant to accomplish, what his life would look like, the many prophecies of how people would not understand just came true as well. Jesus was rejected, he was condemned, he was crucified just as God willed it. But revealing that we were not ready to receive what Jesus brought, even though he told us. The life of Jesus reveals the nature of God and what he meant for us to be in this Advent season. We need to reflect on the truth that Jesus wasn't born just to die, but to live, to show us who God is and remind us of how we were created to live too. Because if his life is an example, then we are meant to follow it. Again, Jesus said that we would do the things that he had been doing. In fact, we would do even greater things than these. And again, as we've talked about before, that doesn't mean better miracles or more special teachings. But that if he is in relationship with his Father and with the Spirit, we are intended to be in relationship with one another. And as we live that relationship and live that example in the Spirit, we are able to do more than one man, than Jesus on earth alone could do. We are the church, his body, spread out around the globe and stretching through history meant to share and to be the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. What he has called us to is huge, but we are not alone. We walk together and as we spend time this Advent season reflecting on what Jesus' life looked like, he is inviting us to understand and reflect him in new and deeper ways. This morning we're going to celebrate communion together, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus that makes us whole. It brings us back into the life that we were meant for. With God, with one another, with ourselves. Jesus' birth reveals the depths of God's desire to be with us. His life shows us how to live. And his death and his resurrection makes us whole. We'll invite our communion servers to come up at this time. In Philippians chapter 2, 
Jesus says, Paul says, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The life of Jesus is our example. And the death and resurrection of Jesus is our hope. And as we celebrate communion together, we remember in this Advent season, that he came to be born, to live, to die, and to be raised to life for us. Again, as we talked about, you can make your way up to the front as an individual or send someone on behalf of your family or with your friends. If you're not able to make your way, just uh, Ed Fuelbrandt, our board chair, will be happy to serve you this morning. You can flag him down and he'll bring the elements to you. But as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, we remember that it wasn't just for some far off time in the future, just for eternity as if that started later. He died so that we could live now. So that we could reflect him now. That we could be made whole now. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning. And we are so thankful for what you have done for us. Even though the people in ancient times didn't understand what you were doing, what you were trying to tell them, even though we barely understand now, we thank you that you know our need. That you know what you created us for. The life that you meant us to have. And we thank you that through your son, you restored us to that. We thank you that Jesus was willing to be born to humble himself. And that he was willing to live and show us what a human life was meant to be. We thank you for his example and we thank you for the invitation to participate in that life. We ask that you would lead and guide us and speak to us in that. But as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus that makes us whole, Father, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can come as you feel led.